Hello, I'm Alec Avdokov, and welcome to the life and times of Frederick the Great. I want to thank you all for continuing to support me with this little project of mine. Already, I have gotten 56 downloads on Podbean as I'm rating this. That's about the size of a large lecture hall, and it's honestly amazing that I'm able to reach that many people. However, there is one small detail that I haven't mentioned in the first two episodes. The platform that I publish my episodes on has limited space to produce podcasts. This means that I can post five hours worth of podcasts before I must either give up or pay $9 a month to upgrade my service to continue doing my podcasting. Therefore, I must awkwardly ask that you go to my Patreon website, and if each of you pledge $1 a month to Patreon, then I will be able to continue to do this project after I have made it to five hours. The carrot is that I will continue to make podcasts, and you can listen to exclusive content, The stick is that I would have to quit podcasting if I do not receive the support necessary. The link to the Patreon website is in the description of the episode. And I can say it out loud. The link to the Patreon is patreon.com slash alecavdikov. Again, that is patreon.com slash a-l-e-c-a-v-d-a-k-o-v. Thank you for hearing my situation, and hopefully you all can make this project of mine bigger and better through the Patreon link in the description. Now that I'm done peddling my goods, I will continue on to the brilliant man that was Frederick Wilhelm, also known as the Great Elector, or in German, der Große Kurfürst. I am planning to go into detail about his reign, and therefore his 48-year reign will be split up into two episodes. His time as the Margrave of Brandenburg and Duke of Prussia was of massive importance for the beginning of Prussia being a great power. He passed on the legacy to Frederick the Great that a ruler should be the first servant of the state. His politics led to the tiny state of Brandenburg that was landlocked and devastated during the Thirty Years' War into a fairly sizable regional power on par with that of Saxony and Bavaria. He led his army into battle successively, against the enemies that outnumbered him, and he started the tradition of Prussia having a disproportionately large army for the size of his population. This, of course, led to Voltaire's famous quote, where some states have an army, the Prussian army has a state. I have a feeling I'm going to be quoting Voltaire a lot during this series. Hmm. Last time I left you was in 1640. The Thirty Years' War was raging. The elector, Georg Wilhelm, the weak ruler that presided over the destruction of the lands of Brandenburg, dying a harsh death in 1640. Desperation was in the air as the new elector was elevated to the throne. Frederick Wilhelm, or Friedrich Wilhelm in German, was born on February 16, 1620, in the capital of Berlin, a small town at the time. He was born during the Thirty Years' War, so all he knew from a young age was turmoil. During his childhood, he was whisked away to the safety of the fortress at Kistlen on the Oder River. He was then moved to the Netherlands in his teenage years to be educated at the University of Leiden. Frederick Wilhelm was taught how to speak modern languages such as Polish. 
This would prove to be a great asset, as he would have to speak Polish with his overlord, as the Duchy of Prussia was still under the suzerainty of Poland. He also learned drawing, geometry, and the construction of fortifications. The sad fact is that we don't know very much about his childhood, because he did not write any diaries at the time, or memoirs. Instead, we will learn much more from the style of ruler he became. I honestly believe that without Frederick Wilhelm's actions during his reign, Prussia would not become a great power under Frederick the Great, and therefore Germany may not have unified at all. Frederick Wilhelm ruled from 1640 until 1688, a reign of 48 years. This was longer than any Hohenzollern in its entire history. During the next two episodes, I want to tell you what he did to make Brandenburg Prussia from a sad backwater country that was stepped on constantly to the regional power that it became. In 1640, he ascended to the throne as the elector of Brandenburg and the Duke of Prussia, and he had no experience whatsoever with governance or military command. Side note here, but this absolutely boggles my mind. This guy is 20 years old, and he has one of the most high-pressure jobs of running a poor territory that has been devastated from war with misery everywhere. He has no experience in government, and yet he becomes one of the greatest rulers of the Hohenzollern dynasty. And he sets the standards for how rulers should be in Brandenburg, soon to be the kingdom in Prussia. I mean, this guy is a college kid from the Netherlands. It would be expected that he would be crushed by the pressure of the job, but the exact opposite happened. Now, to again quote the magnificent book The Iron Kingdom by Christopher Clark about Frederick Wilhelm after he ascended into power. Whereas John Sigismund and Georg Wilhelm had addressed themselves only sporadically to the business of government, Frederick Wilhelm worked harder than a secretary. Contemporaries recognized this as something new and noteworthy. His ministers marveled at his memory for detail, his sobriety, and his ability to sit for an entire day in council dealing with affairs of state. Even the imperial ambassador, Liesle, no uncritical observer, was struck by the elector's conscientiousness. I admire this elector who takes delight in long and exceedingly detailed reports and who expressly demands these of his ministers. He reads everything, he resolves and orders everything, and neglects nothing. I shall manage my responsibility as prince, Frederick Wilhelm declared, in the knowledge that it is the affair of my people, and not mine personally. This last quote was said by the Roman Emperor Hadrian. However, when the elector said it, he was talking directly from the education that he received in the Netherlands. This concept was called Neo-Stoicism, which crossed the old ideals of Stoic philosophy and Christian, in Frederick Wilhelm's case, Calvinist, ideology. Frederick Wilhelm had the idea that he was the first servant of the state. This is a modern concept that we see in democratic governments today. Rather than increasing his personal prestige, as rulers at his time would, Frederick Wilhelm did his job to the best of his ability while taking little for himself. Usually, at this point of the podcast, I would make some kind of joke about how Sumerindy was really incompetent, but 
I'm afraid I simply cannot do that. This is great news for Brandenburg because they are actually getting the better end of the stick as far as rulers go. This style of ruling, Neo-Stoicism, is the legacy that Frederick the Great inherited. He would do his best to emulate what his great-grandfather did to help his people. Now, to get back to the geopolitics that happened during Frederick Wilhelm's early reign. Last time I left you was in 1640, when the Swedes were rampaging Brandenburg, and the army of Brandenburg was a mercenary force of 4,500 men. Now, I'm going to quote The Rise of Brandenburg, Prussia by Margaret Shannon to illustrate to you what Frederick Wilhelm's mental calculations were for the geopolitics of his realm. Yet, he quickly decided that neither appeasement nor the imperial alliance had served Brandenburg-Prussia's interests. What his territories needed urgently was peace. Not a humiliating peace imposed by foreign powers, but a negotiated peace that respected the territorial integrity that and legal claims of his patrimony. It was logical that one of his first actions was to travel to Warsaw to receive formal recognition of his rights to the Duchy of Prussia from the Polish king. In Prussia, Frederick Wilhelm worked out his strategy. Against the advice of Schwarzenberg, whose opposition was anyway cut short by his death in 1641, he decided to break away from the imperial alliance. He halved his small mercenary army to stop the drain on his resources and indicated his conciliatory intentions. And he opened secret armistice negotiations with Sweden. From 1643, when Frederick Wilhelm returned to take control of the government in Berlin, his aims became clear. He knew that the evacuation of Swedish troops was a precondition of Brandenburg's financial and material recovery. From this quote, you can see how courageous Friedrich Wilhelm is. With no governmental experience, he goes to talk with the Polish king to discuss that one territory that has any sort of control under him, Prussia. Then he halves his already tiny army. That's right, he halved it. I mean, can you imagine the cojones of that man to do something like that when the Swedes were already on his land? This is simply mind-boggling to me that a man of my age can do this sort of thing. The larger picture of the Thirty Years' War is as follows. After Swedish power started to wane after their defeat in the Battle of Northingen, France took over the mantle of the main continental army against the Habsburgs. Also, as a side note, I'm surprised that it's taken me this long to mention the Habsburgs in this episode. They truly are the major family in Europe during the early modern period of history. Anyway, the French won multiple battles against the Spanish in what is today Belgium and along the Rhine River. The anti-Habsburg side ended up getting the better of the Habsburgs, and ironically, the final battle of the Thirty Years' War happened where the first major battle happened decades earlier in the final battle of Prague. The peace negotiations ended the war with the treaties of Westphalia. Specifically, in the Treaty of Osnabrück, the, the territory of Brandenburg was increased as they annexed the territory of eastern Pomerania along the Baltic coast in what is today Poland. 
This happened because France wanted to have a client state in the German territories, and they believed that if they gave Brandenburg, an already weak state, some land, then Brandenburg would be in their debt. So, if you were to trace history very loosely as I will, the reasons for the rise of Prussia and the siege of Paris in 1870 and 1871, which led the French eating rats, was due to the very French themselves, because without that Baltic territory, there is no way that Brandenburg could have arisen out of the mire as successfully as they did. So, that backfired. However, it was not all sunshine and roses for the politics of Frederick Wilhelm. The Swedish had a foothold in Germany in the richer western Pomerania, and this would eventually cause a war between Brandenburg and Sweden. The finances were still a wreck after so many years of war and plunder, especially from the Swedish army. The population was severely weakened after disease killed many people. The army was still comparatively weak, even though it expanded rapidly from 3000 in 1641, the second year of Frederick Wilhelm's reign, to eventually 25,000 men in the Second Northern War, a conflict which I shall soon explain. The Second Northern War happened when the Cossacks in the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth in what is now Ukraine revolted. See, the Cossacks were these former peasants that moved onto the steppes in the frontier between Poland, the Crimean Tartars, and Muscovy, now Russia. The Cossacks were well-armed and had a fiercely independent mindset. There's even a hilarious and vulgar letter from the Cossacks to the Ottoman Sultan which I'm going to read on my Patreon, if you are truly interested and listening by now. Anyway, Poland wanted to get the Cossacks back under Polish control, and the Cossacks rebelled. The Polish underestimated the Cossacks, and they lost multiple battles against them. Eventually, the Russians started to lick their lips because they smelled blood in the water, and they attacked the Polish. Now, I'm going to quote Eastery, who is on YouTube and has a series about this particular war. I put a link in the description. If you all love history and you love watching a show about cartoons and maps, he's your guy. He is the best at animated maps. Eastery said, Sweden dreamt of being a great power. In order to achieve that, it saw the need to conquer all of the coastline of the Baltic Sea and turn it into a Swedish lake. By that time, it had already made good progress in its conquests. Now, the neighboring countries weren't too fond of this, and Sweden had created the most modern army in the region to protect its possessions. This army was very expensive to maintain, however, and Sweden wasn't the most prosperous country. So, it had the habit of sending its army occasionally abroad to have its neighbors pay for it. Seriously, this guy is awesome. Go check Eastery out. With Sweden on a rampage, just like it did in the battle days of Gustavus Adolphus, Brandenburg decided to put its growing army with the Swedish and help defeat the Polish army in the Battle of Warsaw. Eventually, Sweden had too many enemies, and Frederick saw what was up, and he switched sides when the Habsburgs joined the Polish. This type of diplomacy was very common during the reign of Frederick Wilhelm, and was known as Schaukelpolitik, or pendulum politics. Whereas Frederick Wilhelm's dad, Georg Wilhelm, switched sides during the Thirty Years' War, it was only under a position of weakness, 
Frederick Wilhelm, had an army, and a dang good one at that. This army allowed Frederick Wilhelm to receive total control over Ducal Prussia. See, Prussia was once a pagan country that, until the Germans crusaded there in the Middle Ages under the Teutonic Knights, and eventually the Germans colonized the region. In the Battle of Grunwald in 1410, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth defeated the Teutonic Order and Prussia was under Polish control. Somehow, through dynastic marriage in the 1500s, that is far too complicated and would take too much time, honestly, the Hohenzollern family, the same family of Frederick the Great, would eventually became the rulers of Prussia. I am so sorry to all you Prussian fans out there. I am definitely not qualified to speak about Middle Age history. Wow, I got sidetracked. Anywho, the territory of Velau in 1657 caused Frederick Wilhelm to switch sides and for him to gain full sovereignty of the Duchy of Prussia. Prussia, by the way, is not just Russian. It's a German-speaking territory that is now Poland and Russia. Confusing, right? In 1658 through 59, the Brandenburg army was successful with their allies against the Swedish and occupied all of Pomerania except for Stettin and Stralsund. But this time, France stepped in and Pomerania was given to the Swedes. This was just to show that Brandenburg may have been a regional power, but when it came to great power politics in a time where the big boys of Europe dictated the decisions to the small boys, they were still out of their depth. And I believe that is where I shall have to leave you at. A disappointing war for the prestige of Brandenburg, but one that set a precedent for the young elector. Brandenburg now has a standing army. It has a ruler that is full of energy and promise. It is no longer being pillaged by an army. It has time to become something that could be really noteworthy in history. The Thirty Years' War is over, but many wars are still ahead of Frederick Wilhelm. He shall certainly earn the title, the Great Elector. Once again, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear me read a very vulgar and hilarious letter from the Cossacks to the Ottoman Sultan, and you want me to continue beyond 10 episodes, go to my Patreon account and become a member and to give as little or as much as you want. Again, the link is in the description, and it is patreon.com slash alekavtikov. Again, that is patreon.com slash a-l-e-c-a-v-d-a-k-o-v. I look forward to seeing you all there. This week, I believe I will conclude in Polish. After all, they made their first appearance in this episode. Therefore, I say to you, do widzenia. Goodbye.